You're listening to The Breakfast Show with Danuta and Lawson. It is 8.05am. Lawson, what is our next quiz question, please? We've already had three. Last one had four blanks in it. Um, what is our next one, please? Our next quiz question. Here we go. This is just a simple true or false. True or false. The only wife of King Solomon known by her personal name was Neymar, the Ammonite princess, mother of Rehoboam, heir to the throne. It, tell us, is that true? Is that false? If you know the answer, 0491 That is the number to text. And if you text us with the correct answer, of course, you'll go into the draw to win two amazing books. We've got the great prophetic books of Daniel and Revelation in red, which is a Bible study journal that you can work your way through, make notes on these incredible prophecies with, and essentially act as you as, as a theologian, you know, studying through these passages and coming to conclusions, doing exegesis. And then uh, the other book we're giving away for our prize this week is the KJV Bible with Mark Finley Study Helps. So you become both theologian and a Bible teacher as well. We want to give these to you absolutely for free. And how do you you get them absolutely for free? Well, you answer questions correctly in our draw, and then we have the draw on Friday morning, and then, yeah, you could potentially be our winner. But again, that question was, true or false, the only wife of King Solomon known by her personal name was Neymar, the Ammonite princess, mother of Rehoboam, the heir to the throne. Yo. Yeah. <laughs> Good so question. If you know the answer to that one, zero, true or false, 0491 Also want to give a shout out this morning to Dungog, New South Wales, listening on 87.6, who are just, just living their best lives out in a beautiful place, you know, here in the Hunter Valley. Yeah, Dungog, New South Wales. Absolutely. Hey. If you're from Dungog, if you know people from Dungog, if you've been to Dungog, let us know. 0491 and, and hey, I thought, I don't know why, I confused it with Dorigo with the waterfalls earlier, I think, but I think there are still waterfalls around there, aren't there? Yeah, Dungog's a beautiful area. Like it it's, is nice. It's, hey? it's in the, yeah, Dorigo is also incredible. Yeah, too. I was thinking of the huge waterfalls there, yeah, the waterfall way. But hey, look, you know, before we went to our interview time, you were co- talking in your news segment about infidelity of a pastor, a Lutheran <laughs> yeah. pastor in the US he's and how he's now the suing the church because mm-hmm. he actually, uh, you know, confessed his sin to somebody in the church. We're not told if it's an elder or what. But, or who I should say, but he did. And now he's suing the church that it's actually slipped out. So we've had some responses from some of our listeners here. Sonny says, I smell a rat with the cheating pastor. Yeah. That's a good way. Hey, I know. Oh, I think we smell a rat too. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah. Like huge concerns there in mm. every way. Hey. Then we've also got another one here. Tim says, with the pastor taking his church to court, doesn't the Bible say it's a shame for a brother to go to court against a brother? Mm. Do you not not know that? Do you not know that you shall judge angels or words to that effect? So that's an interesting comment that he says, and yes, it does speak of of that in those long lines. Uh, Paul writes about it in Corinthians, mm. um, and we'll probably unpack it just a little bit. But actually, it's something that we were thinking when we were off air that is actually good also for us to give to Lyle. Southwell when he's actually on our 
Q&A time, question and mm. answer time in the afternoon. Um, and, yeah, unpack it so much more because in this space, what's really interesting in this space, of course, if we just before we go and read the, the verses of where it comes from in Corinthians, but here's the thing with the Lutheran church. Of course, they, they practice, like you said, a similar sort of version to the Catholic version, hey? Mm. And so of, what of the, confession specifically. Of, of confession. And so they yeah. actually have the practices of what's called confession and absolution. And their thing is that that this is done in private with the pastor. So the confessor, which is the person confessing, is known as the penitent. And in confession, the person actually, the penitent actually makes an, makes an act of contrition, asking the, uh, as, as the pastor actually, actually acting in the role of Christ, which we know that in our, in our, um, Denomination as a, a Seventh Day Adventist in that in the Bible, according to the Bible, we believe that Christ is that one that is we can go to directly to ask for forgiveness of sins. We don't go and ask for that confession of mm. sin to a priest or to a church pastor. Um, and here's the thing that, of course, they believe very much that um, you know the Ten Commandments, of course, are so important. But here's the thing in the church that, of course, it's the person going to the pastor. But in this case, it's the pastor that's actually the problem. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, it, which is a, a really unfortunate thing. And, and basically how this shook out as well is that so this person's wife is acting as a minister as well. Ah, and interesting. This person, this person went and confessed their sins to a particular pastor or reverend in the Lutheran church who within 24 hours of, of like, well, this person comes to them, uh, Anthony Stevens, the one who cheated on his wife, and says, oh, I, I want to confess something, but I want to, you know, guarantee that it, it'll be kept in, in, uh, in confidence and that it won't get out. And he says, yes, and then he confesses. And then within 24 hours, like, this, this pastor who's just been confessed to, mm. You know, I I could imagine like how much it would have been playing on his conscience of like, like, yeah, I just made this promise of of non disclosure, but at the, like this person's wife is also working in the ministry with them, yeah. and and this is just clear infidelity, and so they they've buckled and they've gone and told the wife. Mm. And then the wife, you know, to the, and, then, and then it played out from there, and it's and now the the husband himself is is suing the church and 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 all of these different things, and and it's just it's just such an awful situation mm. that is is being caused by the ministers. Like this is the crazy mm. thing. It's you know the paradigm that's shown to us in in First Corinthians is one where it's like the the members against the church. In <laughs> this right. case, it's the pastors against the church and and yeah. and, and against the members and yeah. and against healthy relationships and again like it's yeah oh, it's just such an awful situation it, it, and i think that mm. the reality is is that this system just isn't biblical where it's confessed like the bible does say confess to one another sins but not from the perspective that you receive forgiveness from one another mm. uh it's that you receive forgiveness from god it's you know it's to confess to one another so that you guys can enable accountability mm-hmm. and whatnot but to confess to someone and say hey mm-hmm. don't tell my wife but mm. i actually cheated on her as a pastor, which breaks the 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 policies of the church itself, and is such, like such an awful spanner to throw into the works of like the working relationship of these people, because all of these people work together. Like it's it's just 
it's just such an awful situation. And I'm like, you wouldn't have to deal with this if you just followed biblical advice. Well, you would have to deal with it, but this wouldn't, this whole issue now of him suing the church because, oh, you broke my confessional mm. rights. I'm like, be quiet. I'm no, like, no, who cares about your confessional rights? Like, like this, this is something that you've sinned against your wife. You've it's sinned a against responsibility the Lord. to God. You've it's a told res- people and, and you deserve the consequences. And there's a responsibility to God. There's a responsibility to your wife. There's a responsibility mm. to the church as their pastor and as their leader and as their role model of what it means to re- lead a Christ-like life and to follow God's word. And that's the thing. And so, yeah. And in Paul, uh, you know, so the verse that, that uh, Tim referred to earlier in first Corinthians, was from chapter First Corinthians chapter six verse six, and uh, but brother goes to the law against a brother, and that before um, sorry, I say this verse five. I say this to your shame. Is it so that there is not a wise man amongst you, not even one who will be able to judge between his brethren? But brother goes to a law against brother, and to that before unbelievers. Now therefore, it is ready. It is already an utter failure for you that you go to law against one another. Why do you not rather accept wrong? Why do you not rather let yourselves be cheated? No, you yourselves do wrong and cheat and you do other things. And so it unpacks that there in that space. And so, yeah, like you said, the here, you know, Paul's writing about the, the church in this situation, but he's saying, do as much as you can in this space to not have division, but to have unity. Yeah, that's right. But there are certain things when it comes to oh, the yeah. moral law. Laws, which, yeah. of course, we know the Ten Commandments are not just a law, um, and it, you know, as 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 it's, such, not, it's, not it's just actually far more. It's, it's actually far more. It yeah. was written in the finger of God. It was written in stones. So it wasn't changeable. But here's the thing: that the Ten Commandments are a reflection of the character mm-hmm. of God, and they are there for our well-being. Mm. For our well-being and for our unity uh, within our families, within our mm. homes, within our marriage, um, you know, the the thing at the right in the beginning of creation, marriage was sanctified by God, mm. sanctified, you know, and so that's what's got to be remembered, and all the more why, as a pastor, that is so important um, in in every way. You're listening to The Breakfast Show. Contact us on 0491-064-669. Hey, let's jump into our Bible study time. We're continuing on the book of Ephesians. Um, and yesterday we were actually unpacking a bit more about the breast a belt and breastplate and then the shoes, which are, you know, for the peace and the readiness to take um Take the gospel of peace as our work at Christ, our peace. And mm. Paul says, uh, preaches peace, it says, to you who are far off and peace to those who were near. And of course, it speaks about the, the gospel of peace that we have, um, you know, through Jesus Christ. And it actually wants believers to basically, um, you know, be united to edify one another, as in not, you know, put. Mm. Edify in the sense of, you know, lifting somebody up, um, you know, so that they then become proud. Um, but we are called to be humble, but we actually encourage one another. We affirm one another like mm. I did before where you were just so happy that I had about it. some of your, <laughs> your happy words and quotes that you, you like to use. Um, and, you know, in our speech and in our tenderness and kindness, because we know, and I think even with what Jennifer actually covered yesterday, hey, Jennifer Skew, she said a happy heart is is reflected, of course, in our words. Mm. And we know that when we have that happy heart and when we are positive and we are speaking kind and good words to one another, here's the thing, that we make 
we make through the power of God, what happens is then, is then not so much that we make, but the response is that other people have happy hearts, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, and that's what God wants of us. And so that's mm. what, you know, the whole gospel of peace is all about mm. and employing, you know, just and having humility and patience and forgiveness of one another in every way. Hey. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. I, I love this. Having shot your feet with the gospel of peace. Like we, I, I, and I said this, I said this last week when we were talking about it. Um, where we were talking, it's like the gospel that mobilizes oh, ultimately it? because it's, it's our mission. It's the thing pushing us forward into the, the goals that we have, the mission that we have to, to reach other people. Uh, without, without the gospel, there is nothing to be preached mm. essentially. It's like, you know, I, um, there are like there's a growing industry of motivational speakers, and and I think it's been growing for for quite a while now. You know, motivational speakers that that kind of it it very much came out of the space of you know the philosophers and and the theologians mm-hmm. and the preaching and whatnot. Mm-hmm. People started doing motivational speaking where it was like it's kind of devoid of. Of anything, anything religious, and you know, it goes back to the philosophers of the. If we think of two thousand years ago, two thousand five hundred years ago, from the Greek era, or from you know, from from the Roman era, and these these philosophers and their ideas that they had to share. That hey, you know, this is how people should live, mm. and we see that again today, kind of commodified in that sense of motivational speakers who get up and give you advice on how you should better live your life. Uh, but uh, for me, I'm just like. Dude, without the gospel, it's it's just so pointless. Uh, like, well, okay, yeah. Le- yeah, you know, let's live out. Their message amounts to motivational speakers. No matter which directional route they take, their message amounts to. You know what, guys? You can live. You know, an itself, am- an amazing, isn't it? You know, next fifty years because usually yeah. the, the time at which people are interacting with motivational speakers, they'll be around twenty years old or so. Maybe they're younger, but the next fifty, sixty, seventy years, you know, you can have a, an amazing time for that. 70, if you just do this, 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 you can have an amazing time for the next 70 years. You can live your best life. You know, that's a, that's a phrase that I love to use. But, but these people, they're like, yeah, you can live your best life for the next 60, 70 years. And, and, and here's the beautiful thing with Jesus. You can have eternal life. That's not, right. <laughs> with, just with like, the gospel. not for the next 70 years. It's like, you can have it for eternity, have the best life. And, and there's positivity <laughs> yeah. and assurance and direction when you have Jesus in your life, you know, hey? These motivational speakers, they get hyped. They get pumped and passionate about 70 years. And I'm like, <laughs> man, as Christians, you know, sharing the gospel of peace, we look oh, forward to eternity. Don't we? We look forward to an eternity with Christ. like Without sin. Without sin, without pain, without suffering. Suffering without you know, tears, sorrow, a, pain. A reality yep. that we can't even understand because it's so good and so beyond our comprehension. I... I I, I see, and I, and and when I read this, it's like having your feet shod with the gospel of peace. I'm like, mm. man, like what what else could motivate you other than that? I know. You know. What else could push you forward other than that to get out to the world and to share the gospel? Of, you know, to, to to share with people your relationship that you have with God, your experience with Him. It's because because the outcome is something so far above and beyond anything we could possibly understand well and and you know it's your amazing. your testimony your whole story of um you know how since jesus has come into your oh, life yeah. and transformed you um you know i remember you saying that you know you were d- depressed and, and just in a really bad space mm. when they when the bible workers knocked on your door <laughs> yeah, that's right. and you know and then you would still go to bible studies you know a bit quite hung over at times you know <laughs> yep. 
Um, and I know, like, you know, there's many stories of people like that out there, you know, whether it's depression or other, um, other health challenges or challenges with, you know, um, abuse, um, alcohol abuse, you know, drug, drug use and those sort of things. But when God comes into your life, you have this sense of value that you know you are valued in Christ by, for who you are. It's not for what you do, but it's for who you are because you're a child of God, you know, and he wants, and he wants. He loves each person so dearly, and he wants everyone to be saved. Mm. And, and that's the beautiful and key thing. Hey, with that. Hey, mm. looking on further, we're actually going unpacking about the shield and the helmet and the sword. Let's actually just read some of those verses again. Just touch on that in Ephesians um, at the end of chapter. Yeah, a six in Ephesians, for particularly verse sixteen and seventeen. Yeah, it says above all, taking the shield of. Faith with which you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Yeah, and I love how Paul actually explains what each of them are too. But here again, mm. you know, we have kept on unpacking the last few days even about the whole Roman, um, you know, armour, and that's mm. where he's taking it because, of course, Paul wrote in the time of the Roman Empire or the Roman era, whichever way you want to say it here. And the shield, of course, was a large rectangular shield um, of, of a Roman legionnaire, and it was mm. actually made with wood and covered with leather. You know, its, it's edges were curved inward and the guard... It would actually guard against the attacks from the side. So, yeah, that had that curve in it, and as well. And but here's the interesting thing, hey, mm. isn't it too with the shield that was actually soaked in water, um, because it meant when they were actually soaked in water, it had an impact where they were able to then quench the fiery darts, and it would actually extinguish the arrows, of course, that were dipped. Um, in pitch and would actually set on fire. So, mm. you know, by having that water down, of course, we know that water – oh, there's my clap again, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> when I get excited, I clap here, don't I? Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, the fire, of course, we know is put out by water. And so, um, you know, that shield was really important. And Paul speaks here about the shield of faith, as you've read, that is to actually enter – when we actually enter into this – this great controversy battle between Satan, Satan who's trying to fight for our lives and between Christ who is there for us all the time is saying, you know, um, respond to me, choose me. Mm. Um, and love me, I can give you a better life. Um, in the Old Testament, you know, also there was a shield of symbol of God. Hey, let's actually go to a couple of those verses. Let's go to Genesis 15, 1. Um, and I might actually also open Psalm 3. Um, and verse three, because it actually covers about how the shield is also mentioned in the Old Testament. You got that one there? Yep. Genesis 15 and verse one, the Bible says, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. Yeah, and see right there, God says to to Abram, He actually says, "I am I your, am your shield. shield. I yeah. am the one that will fight the battles for yeah. you. I am the one that will protect you in every way from what comes your way." Um, and here also in in Psalm three verse three it says, "But you, O Lord, are a shield for me." This is David writing. You know, David, mm. King David. Of course, we know that he. He unfortunately um, sinned as well. You know, he was attracted to Bathsheba mm. and um, she was actually married, of course, but he took her in. Um, and so the, lot of the, the Psalms have come out from that change, that, the repentance um, of David. And here he says here, but you, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory and the one who lifts up my head. 
Mm. Don't you love the fact that God is our shield? Mm. What does that mean for you in the daily life? I mean, like the shield is a defensive mechanism. You know, it's a defensive, like it's a defensive strategy. It's something that you hold to, to keep, you know, the, the, well, hear the fiery darts of Satan out. And, And the reality is, is that like, as people, there are things that come across us that we just simply don't have the ability to defend against on our, on, in our own person, in ourselves. Like situations that we get into that we, it just seems like, man, how am I even supposed to deal mm-hmm. with this? And this is where it comes in. It's like the only person who could protect you from this is, is God. The only person who could enable you to get through the situation is God. Mm. And so him categorizing himself as the shield, it's like, oh, cause I'm the only one who can protect you. Absolutely. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. And we've been having our Bible study time, but before we continue it, we are going to have our last quiz question. This is a nice short one again this time, Lawson. Yeah, or I just want to shout out my mum real quick, who's actually in the studio with us this morning. Yes. She's she's hanging out with us. Shout out my mum, Alicia. I mean, uh, do you want to talk in the radio? She's she's kind of just sitting there. Well, my she mom, has got the microphone shy. there, but she's that's okay. That's okay. We can we can we can chat <laughs> another with you time. Later. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, mom, mom's hanging she's out with us this morning. She's not sure. She's nervous, just like I was when I first started. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's right. Hey, well, good to have you here, yeah, Alicia. We're, we're really great to have, have you here. here. Yeah, running us in this morning. Hey, well, let's get into our next quiz question here. Where did Moses bury the Egyptian? He had killed for beating an Israelite slave. Oh, that's Ooh, a big story, yucky. eh? That one. Yeah, that's a that's a very very difficult moment in <laughs> Moses's life, and <laughs> we praise God that he he repented and, and came out from this. But hey, um, where did he where did he uh, <laughs> where did he bury the Egyptian that he had beat? If you know the answer to that one, zero four nine one zero zero six four six six nine is the number to text. And if you text that number with the correct answer, you're going to the draw to win the great prophetic books of Daniel and Revelation, as well as the KJV Bible with Mark Finley study. That's helps. right. So yes. again, that question was, where did Moses bury the Egyptian he had killed uh, for beating an Israelite slave? If you know the answer to that one, 0491-064-669. Mm. Hey, quickly, a couple of um, great texts that have come through here. We've had a lot, and these are a couple that we're going to read. George. George, you wanted to, uh, this is from George, just wanted to acknowledge the good work you do, Shell. Shell is our producer here that puts all our songs together, the program, so it runs really smoothly. Thank you, Shell, and encourage you to go to forward with the spirit of God's guidance in mind. Always all the best wishes and blessings to the rest of the Brecky team. Love, George. We love getting texts like that. Thank you so much, George, and blessings to you too. Christopher says here, good morning, Brecky team. On the topic of motivational speaking, we've been described as this even though I'm not that keen on this title for reasons that you actually mentioned Lawson earlier. However, when we speak in a church environment, people have been motivated to rededicate their lives to Jesus and to reignite their love for our Savior. Amen for that. Absolutely. Mm. We love it. We love don't we seeing when people rededicate or dedicate for the first time you know, their lives to Jesus Christ mm. because we know that the, the different life that Jesus has brought into our lives and we can't say enough how important it is for not, for not to hear that or to get in information from people mm. it's great hearing somebody's uh, somebody else's story uh, but give jesus a go in your life because mm. the thing is when you experience jesus you will never ever regret it 
Trust us. We've, we know there. We've been there. Um, um, you know, the different lives. And, and so the thing is when you give Jesus a go, just give, experience it for yourself rather than taking the word from somebody else too. Yeah. Um, and, and I love this text too, because it makes that clear distinction. Like the Bible, it, it, despite being probably one of the best self help books there is, it's not a self help book. No, it's a divinely inspired. It's a divinely inspired book of like history and prophecy and all these amazing things, but it ultimately leads to like us having a relationship with Christ. Yeah. You know, our, our relationship with Jesus doesn't look like, hey, you know, we go in so we can get as much as possible out, which is yep. what you do when you go to a motivational speaker. Yep. It's like you show up and you listen to this guy talk, so then it's like, okay, how can I, you know, experience that best 70 years or whatever it may be? And I, I don't have a total problem with motivational speaking, but I, I will say that when it's framed within a, a philosophy that is just, hey, you know, Try and let's have a good life. And I, again, I don't even have a problem with having a good life. But again, I think that the best experience that we can find as human beings, like, mm. is in Christ. And it, not only does it give us the best experience here, but we, we also have heaven to look forward Absolutely, to. Absolutely. 100%. 100%. Mm. You can tell we are passionate about having Jesus in our lives. So yeah. I hope, and I hope you, Absolutely. you are. And if you're not, that you'll become passionate about having Jesus in your life too. Hey, just coming back to the shield, the helmet and the sword. We've got a few minutes left here in our Bible study time of what Paul writes, but just coming back to that whole shield, the shield of faith, um, you know, um, you know, and allowing God to, to win those victories. The Desmond Doss is a really good story of that yeah. one. Oh. Look up. We haven't got time now to unpack it. I was hoping we, we may do, but we always have a lot to cover in our shows. But Desmond Doss, of course, was a, a conscientious objector. He was actually a seventh day, brought up in a seventh day Adventist home and a seventh day Adventist. And when he actually went to war, um, you know, in back 1944 and 45 mm. in the movie, uh, what's the call? Um, it's just escaped me at the uh, moment. Hacksaw Ridge. Hacksaw Ridge Hacksaw covers Ridge. that. But it meant that he did, he chose to go in the, he had to go in the military, but he chose not to have any actual weapon. He actually carried a gun, but mm. it was never ever loaded. And of course he then, because of this shield of faith, his faith in God, that God would protect him, he actually re- rescued up mm. around, they believe around 75, possibly even up to a hundred soldiers, um, on, and, and Ottawa, um, mm. Okin- Okinawa, sorry. Mm. Um, um, and take, took them down the cliff, but he risked his lives because he believed God was with him, that mm. shield of faith. Hey, the last two, of course, are the helmet and the sword of the spirit. And, of course, in Roman battle, the helmet was with iron and bronze, and it also had this plate at the back that actually guarded the neck and the ears. You want yeah. to say something, oh, Buzz? Take just, it away. I love the helmet here. It's called the helmet of salvation. It's like, okay, if you cop an arrow to the leg, You're, you know, in the ancient days, okay, it might amputate your leg or yeah. pull it out or whatever. You know, if you cop an arrow to the arm, it might amputate or pull it out and you you know, fix it, or the shoulder, or even like if you copped one to the stomach, if you cop an arrow to the head, like you're gone. Like that's it. You know, it's yeah. it's like this is this is the area of the body in which even today, like you could cop an arrow to, in today's time, yeah. you could take an arrow to the heart, yeah, and still survive. Mm-hmm. Like if you take an arrow to the brain, it's the one. It's the one of the three angel, uh, the three major organs that you can't replace, and 
essentially what that does is create a bit of a situation in which yeah the most in, the most important part uh, the most important part of yourself to protect is your head it's it's really a life or death situation well, because of the decisions that you make yeah and it, in in here it's called the helmet of salvation mm. it's like our salvation is the thing that ultimately you know even if we were to 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 drop dead you know here yep. right now uh, the reality is is as if, if we are, have that saving relationship with Jesus Christ, like there is, you know, nothing really to, to, to worry about. I mean, mm. yeah, sure, your know, family and whatnot, but it's like, hey, we have eternity to, to look forward to. Like, I, I, I think of it like, yeah, again, looking forward to salvation, looking forward to, mm. to, to a future in Christ, having that helmet that, that protects us mm. as a, as a motorbike rider or as a bicycle rider, or whatever, you know, the the one piece of gear that you put on that makes you feel the most is safe the helmet. is the helmet. Mm. Like I become a different rider as soon as I put a helmet on. Like all of my skill comes into me. Like whether I'm on a bicycle or a motorbike or whatever. Without a helmet, I'm so timid. Mm. Right. Without a helmet, I'm so slow because you're constantly anxious about yeah. like, oh man, if I crash and hit my head, I you know I'm gone. As soon as you put that helmet on, it's like I can stand in confidence. And when we have that confidence that assurance of salvation we can that's that's what gives us the ability to stand for doesn't Christ. that yeah you know the martyrs hanging on the posts being burnt to death you know yeah. for, their, for their belief or 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 being persecuted in other ways they were like hey i've got salvation that's it like i'm good they stood it's, in it's confidence and boldness absolutely and here's the thing um it's also with that what you're saying that they believe in the resurrection of jesus christ mm. that he's ascended that he's exalted to the throne mm. and and the thing is you know again coming back to that as and i love love what you've just been saying there lawson because the thing is when we all have that when we all stand mm. together we're not just individual what paul is saying here is be an army be an mm. army together to do that don't do it you know be a lone ranger but to do it all together and there is mm. power in that when each individual has each parts of this this armor um right rightly you know we're rightly dressed you know and um and of course then we reject fear the fear of a spiritual warfare um and it's mm. you know i speak of that war room all the time the war war is raging you know around us in every way and so what is that war room the war room is where is the room where we go and pray mm. um you know and basically um you know really just pour out our heart in a big way to god and we see prayers answers in miraculous ways the miracles god has done in my life are exceptional and same in my husband's life and others mm. that i've seen too but hey the last one that we need to mention is the sword of the spirit which is the word of god and of course again they used to have mm. a two-edged sword and the thing is that basically, you know, we need to remember that the word of God is our sword in every way. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. We've just come towards the end of our show, but we want to give you our answers to the quiz questions so that you know what they are because we've had heaps coming through and you probably want to know if you got them right. So take it away, Lawson. Here we go. First question here in the Bible. It says that before there was anything, there was who or what? And there was God. There was God. It said, in the beginning, yep. God. God, that's first, right. First four words in the Bible. Yeah. What happened to the seeds which fell among the thorns? Well, they grew and the thorns choked them. And Jesus relates that to the you know various 
cares of the world coming and choking out someone's ability to re- to relate to God. And I think I think it is. You know, when, when Paul gives the advice to people, he says, "Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed, transformed by the renewing, by of, the renewing your of your mind." Like being conformed to the world, you know, a lot of people see that as like, oh, you know, being just a a a, 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 a succubus of worldly culture, you know, and and it's like, oh, watching too many movies or whatever it may be, which I don't recommend doing either. Yeah. But at the same time, I would say it's it's more than that. It's it's the 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 culture of the world that leads us to essentially distrust God, rather than putting our trust in God that He can handle our our job, our finances, our you know, mm. everything that we get, our family, our relationships, everything that we need. Rather than trusting God to do that, we often trust ourselves and we conform mm. ourselves to the pattern of the world. Mm-hmm. And the advice that it's giving here, well, that Jesus says, it's like this is what some people are like. They're choked up mm. by the cares of the world, but rather, hey. You know, be like good soil, you know, that, that is planted, where the seed is planted and you can grows. In grow. the next one here, it says, this was fill in the blanks. So be glad then, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the former rain faithfully, and he will cause the rain to come down on you, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. Obviously, the answer there was rain. rain. And that's why I said I need it in my garden. Our soil is just dry, dry, dry. Okay, <laughs> next one. True or false, the only wife of King Solomon known by her personal name was Neymar, the Ammonite princess, mother of Rehoboam, the heir to the throne. And that was true. It was true. Hey, and the interesting thing is that Solomon, King Solomon actually, catch this, had 700 wives and 300 concubines. Back in those days, it was a bit different somehow with all of this. And these, and the, she was the mother of Rehoboam, that, which is right. And she was an Ammonite and, um, such, and such. She was only one of two of the queen mothers of Israel or Judah, which was, um, yeah. Mm. And she was also a, for, a foreigner. So. Yep. Absolutely. Finally here, where did Moses bury the Egyptian he had killed? for beating an Israelite slave. And mm, the, that's a power pack. St- I oh, mean, huge story, I should say. Not so much power pack. Well, it is. I think it's But it's power pack of what happens from that even yeah. more so, I think, you know, because he becomes the leader of Israel. Yeah. Well, he becomes like the, the, the one to lead the Exodus, essentially. That's right. Lead now, them out of Egypt. Now, the Egyptian that he killed, he did bury in the sand. He did. And he feels an incredible amount of guilt over what he has done. And as a result, he just, he just leaves. Like mm. he is the, the son of the, the daughter. Well, he's called the son of the daughter of the, the king of the Pharaoh. Pharaoh. And he had so many prospects in the, in the, uh, you know, the, the land of Egypt that he seemingly throws away because of this, you know, this killing of the Egyptian. But then also it's like I, he he could have smoothed it over, but rather than stay, he's like, no, like I he, he leaves. And, and what it shows me is like although like Moses stood for a social cause, mm-hmm. he initially tried to do it in his own power and strength and it caused a great sin, like the death of another person. Mm. Uh, he exiles himself for 40 years and I think it's amazing to see that as a result of that, he learns that I need to rely on God mm. for this. We we read the book of Exodus and it seems like such a one-man army. 
Mm. It's like, oh, Moses is just doing everything. He's their advocate. He's their, he's their this, he's that. But the reality is, is that Moses is walking in the spirit and the power of God. Absolutely. And he can stand as one man. And obviously he had support as well. He had Aaron and, and a bunch of the other Israelites too. But, but it's the beautiful stories too. It's, it's that whole story of repentance and mm. salvation and that, that God is there for all. We've come to the end of our show. Don't forget that once we, we go off, off of air this afternoon, well, following on, we've got Tassie Encounters this afternoon at 3.30. We've got time with Shell and then also there's drive time at 5.30 and Q&A question time at 5 o'clock so keep those texts uh, flowing in with questions for Lyle. Mark 11.24 says therefore I tell you whatever you ask for in prayer believe that you have received it and it will be yours. We have a great God and that power of prayer we believe here in the power of prayer in every way but hey remember for today to talk faith live faith act faith and you'll grow strong in Jesus Christ. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.